Welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangu, and on this episode, we have a session from the Digiday Retail Summit held in Austin, Texas in April. Online-born brands are harnessing the power of in-store retail to different degrees. After launching with a series of temporary pop-ups, Allbirds is now building a global store network with stores in the US, the UK, and China. Travis Boyce, head of global retail operations at Allbirds, will break down the steps the footwear brand has taken to get to establish a mindfully made fleet of international stores. So let's chat about right now, how many stores does Allbirds have? We currently have seven across three different continents, two in China we opened in the past two weeks, one in the UK we opened at the end of last year, and then Mm -hmm. we have five in the US uh, with some more plans for the rest of this year. Right. So you guys already going international, which I think Mm -hmm. is, you know, a a pretty big marker for a lot of these direct-to-consumer brands that started online, started in the US. Mm -hmm. So can you take us back? You've been with the company for, what, three years? Three years, And yeah. when you joined, was there a retail strategy in place? Zero, zero retail strategy. I think we knew that stores would be a part of our business. I don't think we anticipated it being quite as many and quite as far spread this early on, but mm-hmm. uh, the opportunity we saw was quite incredible, so we went after it. Mm-hmm. Great. So what was that opportunity exactly that you saw? We got lucky and had the opportunity to do a few pop-ups early on that were very low risk, and we saw the immediate benefit, not only for our customer experience, but for people who want to try on a shoe that's mm-hmm. still a very personal and sort of uh, uh, sensitive experience for a lot of people, right. um, and also the financial impact. We saw that these were not just guide shops, they weren't just sort of opportunities for people to try them on, but they were extremely successful financially, and every single one that we've had have continued to outperform every expectation. So tell us a little bit a little bit about those expectations. Like, what did you? So was there ever like a point where you thought, okay, maybe this will just be like a like a showroom type of model? People just want to feel it and then they'll buy online. Like, what type of customer behavior were you anticipating? Yeah, I think we didn't know, and we started with sort of a very low risk, no build out, very simple. Took a point of sale, put some shoes into a back room and some furniture in the front of the house, and just started selling and. Um, I think we saw that people wanted to learn more about the product. They wanted to have an opportunity to come try things on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they wanted to come back, too. I think that was surprising. We thought people would go in the store, not purchase, and then transact online. Mm-hmm. People continually revisit, revisiting our store, coming in monthly, checking out new colors. I think there's something to be said about uh, our changing color palette and wanting to be able to see it in person, try it on before they buy it. And so. The opportunity for people to continually come in was something that we didn't expect, but we're seeing as uh, something that's happening in every single one of our stores. Yeah, that's interesting. We hear about newness a lot in terms of uh, retailers wanting to you know, have new product on the site all the time, drive people into stores. How did that fit with your product strategy? You mentioned you have new palettes. Like, have you then rethought that? And so when people do come back, there is new stuff in stores? Yeah, I'd say something we uh, constantly try to do is have our core always available. And those are our sort of bread and butter, the foundation of everything that we sell. Um, mm-hmm. And then we refresh colors on a sort of monthly and quarterly basis and try to keep it fresh for both the website and the store. I think something that we'll continue to work on is figuring out uh, opportunities to create unique moments for our stores, whether it's unique product, unique colors, and we've done that in each of our stores already, Mm -hmm. um, creating limited edition products that tie to the city, have a local element, and so I think we'll continue to evolve our merchandising and product strategy as we become more of an omni-channel retailer and have uh, sort of a a larger retail presence over the next couple years. Right, and so as you scale that, how do you make sure that you're doing it 
purposefully and that you know one channel is not you know out, out ballooning the other like those teams are integrated the, that customer data is integrated because mm -hmm. that's something that a lot of traditional retailers that are now kind of retroactively trying to figure that out are struggling with yeah I'd say domestically it's being a little bit cautious and making sure that we're making the right decisions the real estate's a very important one for us that can be something that becomes quite a liability if you make the wrong decision so I think we're always a bit cautious and want to make sure that we're making first the right real estate decision um, the second for us is people I think we don't want to go so fast that we ever are hiring um, without feeling totally comfortable with the individuals that are in our stores. And I think that's something that maybe has plagued certain retailers that have gone a bit too fast too quickly. So for mm -hmm. us, it's making sure that we have the internal talent to promote uh, and that we're making real estate decisions that are smart. Um, and then the last is making sure we continue to have product that is going to be exciting and beloved by our customers. And sort of th that will help us dictate the pace. Uh, a little bit internationally, I think, um, we have gone far quickly between the UK and China, mm -hmm. um, and to own and operate stores in China is very different than the US, certainly. So for us, it was again on the people side, finding the right individuals to run both a sort of corporate office in Shanghai, but mm -hmm. also the individuals in the store that understand an American brand, but can also help localize to China. And then our HQ team in San Francisco, making sure that we're flexible and understanding that the Chinese, the retail brand and our brand in general, isn't going to translate exactly to the US. There's going to have to be some tweaks and making sure that we're flexible and allowing them to localize the brand and the marketing and the store design and even the sort of back of house operations, things like that. Right. Um, and that was something we heard early on as people were being interviewed that bigger, sort of more traditional brands oftentimes try to force a bit of the American way into those markets mm -hmm. and it isn't necessarily well received, nor do the employees sort of find it helpful for them and they sort of feel like they have their hands tied a bit. Right, so so that team is really important. And how how have you built your team over time? Like who is all like on the on the retail operations? Yeah, team? we're very lean at HQ. So there's just four of us focusing on sort of the key disciplines uh, across real estate, uh, design and construction, uh, and then retail operations. Mm -hmm. um, we have a strong support system across the rest of our business, including supply chain, our HR team, um, data analytics, finance. So there's a strong support and matrix organization that support us, and will certainly grow over time. Um, internationally, we've also been fairly lean, where as much as we can, we work out of HQ. Mm -hmm. And then as we have scale, we'll add the individual in the local market. So China is a good example where we did all the work up front out of HQ. Mm -hmm. As we got close to launch and had two stores open within two weeks, um, we made sure we had the right local retail operations individual on the ground to help manage that business on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. And, and how is the store team, the retail team, working with the e-commerce team to make sure that, that that communication is there? Because I've heard, obviously, this is something that big retailers are, are dealing with right now. But even on the, the smaller brand side, if, as you open stores, you start to realize, like, okay, these, are, these can compete with each other if we're not careful. Yeah, a couple things I'd say. One is um, having a single customer view. And so for us, um, we have one customer list that it goes across each country. So the ability for us to understand where they're coming with, to interact with our product and our business, whether it's both online and in-store, whether it's just online, and then we're able to understand where they live and invite them to our stores is one big aspect of that. So we have a single customer view mm -hmm. um, by region and by country. Um, the second is uh, it's early days for us in a couple of our newer stores, especially Boston and Chicago, but we're starting to see a significant and sort of strong impact on our e-commerce traffic in a positive mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. So that halo effect that people often talk about and you hear, the retail halo on e-com, we're certainly starting to see that and it's the early days, but it's definitely promising for us that it'll be additive to our website and our digital business mm -hmm. um, to have these stores in, in, each, in different markets. Yeah, so do you look, does Allbirds look at, obviously their, their stores, they're, you're selling, um, they're profitable it seems, and how are, like, but how do you look at it from a marketing channel versus like a retail store? How do you make sure that 
the store is doing everything that it can, but I think sometimes, you know, you, this, if the, you try to make it do too much, it, it can be kind of paralyzing. Yeah, and I'd say to, to start, like, first and foremost, we want these stores to be financially sort of lucrative for us, and, right. and we haven't been uh, in the mindset of doing these purely from a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so that's first and foremost. And then the second thing that I think is, is making sure that it is a great customer experience. So beyond revenue, the number two KPI, and oftentimes number one for us, is NPS and understanding what the customer experience is like in store. And, um, they continue to be exceptional on the NPS uh, sort of scale relative mm -hmm. to other businesses and even relative to our website. So that's very promising. Um, and the second aspect that I think will be important for us over time that we haven't done quite enough yet is probably the community building side and making sure that both we're going out into the community and supporting local efforts, local volunteer, philanthropy, um, et cetera. And then the second aspect is bringing the community into our stores, and mm -hmm. that's educating on environmental uh, sort of uh, best practices, on sustainability, and sort of it's a two-way street, we think, of having an in-the-community uh, and out-in-the-community uh, uh, sort of support system. Mm -hmm. And what was your background before you started Allbirds? Did you have a traditional retail background? No, I was actually, so I joined early from a supply chain perspective, so I was more finance background uh, originally, and then actually worked uh, in a CPG company uh, called Chobani, if people are familiar, for several years, uh, and was in the supply chain there. So a bit of a transition, but it's been an incredible experience and loving it. Yeah, yogurt to shoes. <laughs> exactly, very different, but uh, both doing great things and sort yeah. of have tremendous product and brand. Right, and how does that perspective, do you think, like help the, a brand like Allbirds look at retail a little bit differently like do you how do you balance like okay we need someone who knows like the ropes of opening a store like you mentioned you have like people on your team that handle design and construction with like okay let's we can think outside of the box we don't have to do this the same way that retailers have done and made mistakes but you know now they're closing stores yeah i think we're very fortunate with the way that our brand has had success early on that a lot of people have been willing to help us and so we've had a tremendous number of advisors who are people who've been around the block a bit and know things about retail. And so I think one of the things that we like to talk about is, is oftentimes being conventional but exceptional. So mm -hmm. people always want to have great people in their stores and have, a higher, have great hiring practices. And that's something that we've sort of taken from other brands and, and sort of started to build a very robust hiring, training, and onboarding program that is somewhat conventional and that other brands have done it. We just want to be exceptional in how we do it. And then in other ways, it's figuring out how we can be different. So from the very beginning, having an omni-channel mindset, ensuring that we can allow customers to order online, pick up store very shortly, mm -hmm. endless aisle, allowing for us to serve customers from our warehouse if they want to leave the store without the product. And so um, I think being open and flexible and not necessarily having a sort of a rigid mindset of what retail needs to be is mm -hmm nicely paired with that sort of uh, conventional but exceptional mindset and that we get support from external advisors on. Yeah, so you mentioned like the, the in-store employees who are mm -hmm. working with customers. How are they trained around, you know, making sure that they're telling the Allbirds story? I feel like, you know, there's a lot of times a disassociation from those people in the stores and the overall brand. Um, mm -hmm. How are you integrating them? What kind of tools do they have at their, at their disposal while they're working with customers? Yeah, I'd say one thing to start is, is that we have been very picky in how we hire. And like I said, we have chosen not to necessarily go as fast as we could have because we want to mm -hmm. make sure we get the right individual starting with a store leader on the way down to the retail ambassadors. Um, one of the big benefits for us as a mission-driven business, and particularly with our strong sustainability story, is it's a competitive advantage on the hiring front that when we find individuals where that matters to them personally, they're super engaged with not only our product, but our brand, and, and it shows when they interact with customers that this is something that they would be doing even if they weren't working for Allbirds. They care about the environment, they care about sustainability. Um, and so when we are able to find those individuals, it's, it's a slam dunk for us because they're sort of already so motivated and we just have to educate them a bit on 
a little bit on retail, uh, a bit on our product knowledge and our story, and then they're sort of exceptional sort of salespeople, but mm -hmm. really are more brand ambassadors for us. So that's how the uh, sustainability angle of Allbirds has worked into the stores. So it seems like online, you know, you, people can click around, you can put all of this copy around the shoe itself, but mm -hmm. when you go into stores, it's you have a different experience and people might not grasp like everything that's going on. So you kind of mm -hmm. have to decide like, okay, what, what story are we going to tell? Is it just a focus on the shoes? Like, so it, how do the salespeople kind of play a role in making sure that someone who never really heard of Allbirds or just doesn't know that much about the brand goes in and finds out everything and becomes hooked? Yeah, I'd say we, we've tried to keep the store somewhat minimalist, just like our shoes. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we aren't overloading them with copy and marketing and branding necessarily. Um, we do have some very sort of pointed uh, notes and branding related to our sustainability, in particular our materials, which we lean into, which are sort of the wool, tree, and sugar uh, mm -hmm. families. Um, but really, we do have and empower our store associates to be the best brand ambassadors with all the product knowledge they can. Um, so it's often their verbal cues and sort of their verbal communication that is going to really educate the customer, and it really depends on what they want. And so if a customer really just wants to transact and get in and out, we're happy to do that for them if they're familiar with the brand or just want to buy something and leave. But right. oftentimes we see customers who are really interested in the deeper story of where the company came from, where our materials and our supply chain is, um, and then being able to deliver that and, and really providing our, our retail ambassadors with all that product knowledge during their training. Right, and so you mentioned customer data. You, when you're gathering that that type of insight on the on the customer, how they're shopping in stores, that that gets married with online. Do you guys have like you know? Are you working with with companies to to build that that data profile? Is it all done in house? Um, how have you navigated making sure that you know you have one single view of the customer, and then that kind of you know feeds back online and in stores? Yeah, I'd say we're just scratching the surface of marrying the two together, given we are still so young um, in general, but on the retail front in particular. But we do have an incredible internal team that we've started to build on the data and analytics side that's mm -hmm. starting to understand things like the e-commerce lift associated with a store opening, uh, things like where and which customer and the percentage of them that are transacting across both channels or are channel specific. Um, and so having that internal resource and allowing us to sort of go to them with questions and really sort of dig deeper um, on a daily basis versus maybe having to reach out to others or go outside of the business has been a huge benefit for us. In terms of the systems and tools, I think um, most people in the D2C world are probably familiar with Shopify and that's one where um, it pretty easily allows us to have that single customer view right now. And mm -hmm. um, I think it's sort of up to us to then sort of harvest a lot of that data and figure out which customers are going to be the right ones to market certain products to, which ones are going to be interested in coming to stores. When we have new stores opening, we have a very robust customer list in every city that allows us to immediately have a, a group of individuals that are highly likely to visit that store when it opens. So right. um, those are the kinds of easy and sort of uh, low-hanging fruit initiatives that we'll sort of go after on the data front and the single customer view front. Mm -hmm. And so how does having this, this retail strategy, not just in the U.S., but in, in China and the U.K. as well, what does that do for the overall Allbirds brand? Like, what, what do you feel like you know about the customer that you didn't before? Like, how does it open up new, you know, opportunities for, for the company, especially as you scale? I think we're watching, like, a lot of direct-to-consumer brands as they move offline, you know, are they looking into, you know, other partnerships with other retailers? Like, you're, you're kind of putting in roots to become a long-lasting retail brand. Mm -hmm. uh, it, when it comes to the store role in that, 
what, it, what does it add? I think a couple things for me that we've seen across the board in all the countries we've entered, and specifically in retail, it's easy to see. One is the diversity of our customer base. And so we aren't a just a coastal, sort of millennial, above average income San Francisco, New York brand. If you visit our stores, you'll see, you'll see the cool kid from Austin or the Mission or Brooklyn, but you'll also see someone's grandma who um, just wants a comfortable pair of shoes. So visiting the stores and being able to see that in person is pretty interesting and something I think we didn't expect. And mm -hmm. I think the second is, um, really that most all countries we've been into, the care for sustainability and environmentalism is quite strong. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that maybe we didn't anticipate in every country or with a, as many customers. And so for us to have people come into the store both as customers and employees in every country and have that be such a key part of their decision-making process, either to work for us or to buy our product, is another really interesting um, sort of learning or something that maybe we didn't quite anticipate that we're seeing more and more. And as I mentioned before, on the hiring front, I think it's going to become a huge competitive advantage for us to be able to have this really mission-driven business and finding people that are closely aligned with that. Right. And so when you think about the roadmap, like what's what's next for, for you guys in the stores? Are you using, like, looking at where customers are shopping online in order to inform the store strategy? What, yeah, so we won't be able to comment on too much of our pipeline. We have announced we'll be opening in Seattle very shortly. We'll also have two more stores in China by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. um, and there will be sort of a, a, a additional pipeline this year and, and quite, uh, quite a bit of growth next year if things continue to go well. Uh -huh. um, but yes, leveraging our online customer base is a big part of it for the domestic uh, store growth where we have a sort of somewhat long history, three years of customer data and know where they are and what cities they reside in, what neighborhoods they're in. Um, so that's a big benefit for the U.S. Internationally, we do, obviously, as we launch a new market, we don't have customer data, but it is something that we've become um, quite bullish on is making sure that we have that omni-channel experience from the start. And mm -hmm. so n not just launching on the website, but having a store or physical presence. We did it in a light-touch way in Canada with a pop-up right at launch, as well as a Nordstrom's presence. In the UK, we launched our store in coordination with the e-commerce launch. And similarly mm -hmm. for China, we had two stores opening within a week of launching the website and our, our digital brand there. So um, on the international side, it's, it's part of having this um, sort of omni-channel experience for customers to really engage with the brand how they want to engage, mm -hmm. um, and also lend a bit of credibility. So it's not just a website of a US company that's decided to ship to your country, but having right. a physical presence for them to really come and understand both the product, but also the brand. Right, great. Um, I definitely want to leave some time for questions. Does anyone have any questions for Travis and Allbirds? Give it a beat. No. All right. What are your thoughts on uh, pop-up versus permanent retail? Do you do you find that it's it's helpful to launch temporarily at the beginning? Yeah. So I think um, we've done some pop-ups. I think we're quite comfortable with our ability to do a permanent store at this point, and especially in the U.S., that's going to be our strategy. And yeah. International markets, I think the biggest thing for us is limiting our downside. So from a very tactical perspective, it's ensuring that we can get out of our leases early if mm -hmm. for some reason it doesn't work out, whether it's the retail or the country. Um, but we're, we're committed to doing long-term retail and, and sort of being a, a big part of our business. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much, Travis. Really thank you. enjoyed it. All right. Thank you. And that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, then I hope you will go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast to leave a review and a rating. And I will be back next week with a new episode.